one. Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, Rain Evangelical Encounters, the Restoration. We're doing another Tuesday Tangents with Chris Jensen, author of Obscure Mormon Doctrine, Uncommon Beliefs of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Before we get started, just a reminder, merch store, mormonbookreviews.com, got me a shirt, got me a hat. We got uh, coasters, uh, cases for your phone cases, iPhones and all that, and Android. And I want to thank those of you who uh, have been purchasing stuff on mormonbookreviews.com. I also want to thank those who have been supporting the channel financially on both Patreon as well as through PayPal. And if you're interested in supporting the channel, there's going to be a link in the description. So here we have Chris Jensen, author of the book, Obscure Mormon Doctrine. And we're doing this Tuesday Tangents segment where we basically just do a 20-minute segment on something. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. And he's just going to talk about some, a chapter in his book or a doctrine that he discusses in his book. And uh, I don't know what he's going to talk about. So Chris Jensen author of Obscure Mormon Doctrine, coming to us from Ireland. What do you That's have for right. us today? I'm in Ireland right now. It's hard to know where I am. Last time we talked, I was in, uh, I was in Salt Lake. <clears throat> um, but I live in Spain, and I'm in Ireland. Uh, I won't bore everybody with the reasons why. Um, thank you for having me, Stephen. Um, you know, yeah, the, the book is, is organized by, you know, uh, alphabetically, um, 40 chapters. And so today we're going to talk about the chapter, one of the chapters that begins with C, children. Okay, great. And it's a topic that I think is very interesting because the, the LDS church, like, like with most doctrine, has its own very unique, interesting take on children. And, uh, you know, many of us have children. And so it's, it's a relevant topic. Um, the LDS view is that children are innocent, um, which means that they don't need to be baptized when they're born. Um, you know, they're pure. And only when they reach eight are they accountable. And so that's when LDS children are, are baptized, typically. That's when I was baptized. Um, so if you are, you know, if you have a child or if, if you die before the age of eight, you automatically go to the highest level of heaven, which in LDS theology is the celestial kingdom. And you never have to be baptized and you never have to um, receive your endowment, which is something I'll quickly mention, but it's, it's related to the temple. Mm -hmm. um, Okay, the implications of that are, are interesting because roughly half of all people ever born on this earth have died in, in infancy. And even more than that, if you include stillborn births and the mentally deficient who receive the same treatment as, as young children when it comes to their fate after death. And that means that it appears... Um, you know, nobody can say for sure, but based on that, it appears almost certain that more than half of the people that will ever live on this earth will go to the celestial kingdom because they will die before the age of eight. Um, <clears throat> you know, and I think that that's actually one of the strengths of Mormonism is that, you know, Protestant Christianity, Catholicism basically taught that 
well, one of the Catholic doctrines is no longer, it's no longer recognized was limbo, you know, so what is the fate yeah. of these children who didn't have the chance to receive baptism, didn't have the receive the, the chance to receive these saving ordinances, as would be within the context of the restoration. And that was a great thing, because even John Calvin believed that basically the, I think he said something that the, uh, the, 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 the floors of of hell are paved with the babes of the, the that didn't make it, you know, so it's a really brutal doctrine and it kind of makes like okay what was the whole point of the atonement if it, it kind of was a failure you know at this point so what i think is so fascinating is that joseph has this revelation this idea that no the uh, people who aren't uh, spirit mature enough or who ha haven't reached the age of accountability they're actually going to be in the highest level of heaven yeah which i think is a great doctrine um, I mean, you could you could argue you could actually argue whether it's whether it's fair in the sense that uh, it's great it's actually great news if you really believe it all it's actually great news for those people it's very sad if they die young on earth but if you look at the eternal perspective they never have to go through the, the trials and the tribulations and the tests of of earthly existence in order to achieve the celestial kingdom. They they automatically achieve it. And now this is fascinating because now we news. got we got another doctrine here, and this is the idea of pre-existence. Mm -hmm. So now, in one sense, there's an implication here. Basically, you have these people who you know fought in the war of heaven, um, had their station is kind of determined here on earth based on what they were, who how loyal they were, how worthy they were uh, during the war in heaven, a part of the pre-existence. So maybe we could talk about what is the implication of these children who basically like maybe die at birth uh, or, or don't make it to the age of one. Um, what does that imply about their status in the pre-existence? You know, that's a question I've never thought of. Um, I mean, in the book, we talk about the pre-existence, obviously, and we talk about foreordination. Mm -hmm. um, Although, you know, most of us are not foreordained, we don't have a, 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 our destiny set before we, before we come to earth. And so I would hesitate to say, you know, to comment either way that these children were either, you could, you could argue that they were actually better in the pre-existence and this is their reward to come to earth, but not have to suffer the, you know, the, the, the tribulations of earthly existence in order to achieve the celestial kingdom. I really don't know. Mm. I don't know if it's just bad luck that they die young, but but then good luck that they that they automatically go to the celestial kingdom, or if it had something to do with their performance in the pre-existence. I think it's a great question. I don't know the answer. Yeah, and it's just well, just because when you start <laughs> peeling these doctrines, like you're just trying to look into it and you're thinking of the implications and these are kind of like thought experiments like okay what does this mean you know within islam it talks about uh, children uh, dying and they say that it would be it's almost in the sense of eternity it's it, the, the great tragedy that happens it's such a minor thing because in the context of eternity it's it's it's, it's nothing um, yeah, and it's maybe it's kind of a similar idea no no it's a very similar idea and I, you know, and it's, it's got to be very comforting if you're a devout LDS member who has a child die young to know, you know, and to believe that that child has, has qualified automatically. I mean, more, more or less automatically. It is automatic, uh, except, you know, so 
we have to differentiate between children who die before the age of accountability and those who die after, which is yes. eight. Right. And if and if you die before the age of eight, you don't need to be baptized and you don't need to have your endowment performed for you, which is what happens in the temple. Otherwise, you 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 were baptized if you're LDS, and if you weren't, if you're not LDS, then you have to have uh, you have to be baptized vicariously, mm -hmm. which is uh, what happens in the temple. Um, but even if you die before the age of eight. You do need, if you want to reach the highest level of the celestial kingdom, which is um, exaltation, you know, becoming a god, the high, you know, the, the goal of, of existence, you still need to, 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 to be celestially uh, married, you know, to have, to be sealed. And the question then becomes, okay, how can you be, you know, sealed? How can you be married in the temple if you die before the age of eight? And so there's a solution to that problem, which is that after the resurrection, so after the second coming of Christ, and after you are resurrected, and your body, your glorified body, has grown to maturity, which don't worry, I'll, I'll mention that in a minute, but your your body, your spirit, I'll get to that in a minute, but once your once your glorified body has been reunited with your spirit and grows to maturity, you will then have a chance to socialize. In other words, date. Oh. Choose a partner, marry them. Okay. And that's something that you will have to do in order to achieve exaltation, um, even if you die before the age of eight. Hmm. Um, and then, of course, somebody will have performed as we talked about in our last segment through temple work a, a ceiling between you and your partner um on behalf of you so that it's a temple a temple marriage hmm. and that and then you can you know only then will you be able to achieve the highest level of the celestial kingdom um okay ceiling is another interesting aspect of, of, of children in the, uh, in, the, in the LDS church. So I'm divorced. I was married in the temple. I was married in the Salt Lake temple and I'm divorced. And so for me, it's an interesting, uh, mm -hmm. it's an interesting uh, topic to contemplate because if parents get a, a divorce, a civil divorce, and they cancel their, temp their temple marriage, this does not, even that does not affect the children. Okay. The children remain sealed to their original parents forever. Okay. And, and they can never be sealed to anybody else. Okay. You know, I, I want it, to, it's fascinating because, you know, I'm just thinking the, this, there's real, real world implications to these doctrines as well. Because, of course, when we look at the Mountain Meadows Massacre, they made a point to uh, separate the children that were under the age of eight from the group. And, of course, then anybody who was over the age of eight was massacred. And uh, but they felt that they were doing a mercy by saving these children. And, of course, then they adopted them out into uh, Mormon families. And so these children ended up becoming Mormons. And of course, probably now, as a result, are on their way to uh, godhood. 
because their ordinances were done. But of course, the people that didn't uh, receive that, that, they were over the age of eight, did not ha have that afforded to them. So that's why when I talk about doctrine and what are real world applications, like this, it's, it's theoretical, but it also does have effect on, 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 on this world as well. No, no, absolutely. And that's, you know, that was part of the joy, a big part of the joy of writing the book for me was to take it out of this abstract level and really boil it down to what, you know, what are the real world implications? And, and so with children, this is a, this is a real world implication. And, you know, if you get sealed to somebody and then, you know, and then you have children, those children are sealed to both of those parents forever. And they can never be sealed to somebody else, which which is uh, has huge implications, obviously. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> in other words, that rule is not altered by adoption, by consent of the natural parents, by a request of the child after become after reaching you know um, eighteen, or the death of the natural parents. Nothing can alter that fact. And it makes you wonder, okay, so you have a scenario in which this happens where the children are sealed to these parents who uh, are no longer, as a matter of fact, because they were LDS and now they left, they would be cast into outer darkness. So what does that mean to, what are the implications of you, the parent being cast into outer darkness and having your children sealed to them for eternity? Okay, another great question from you that actually, it, it, it appears to the viewers as if I have planted you in the audience, probably. <laughs> you know, like the magician that calls for a volunteer. <laughs> because, because there is a, a, an implication to that that I'm going to get to. But before I, you know, I'll just quickly answer, you know, those children will be adopted by, by worthy parents and raised by worthy parents. Oh. Um, which is something a lot of people don't know. They don't under, they don't realize you know they don't dig down and so that's why the book is interesting to a lot of people mm -hmm. um <clears throat> well since we're on the subject i was going to wait but who raises the children yes um the natural parents raise the children if they are worthy okay otherwise the children are given to a worthy lds couple okay um, and there's a quote in the book, those who die as children and whose parents are not worthy of exaltation will, will be adopted into righteous families and raised by worthy parents, you know, so children have to be raised by somebody in the afterlife, uh, until they, they reach maturity until their, their, uh, their body, um, you know, reaches maturity. Hmm. And that has to be a worthy parent, you know, who raises the, this glorified body. Um, and so that's, that, that's the solution to that problem. Okay. So coming back to the body. So when a child dies, its spirit goes to the spirit world, um, which is discussed in the book. And probably most people watching this know what they don't necessarily know is that we were adults in spirit before we came to earth in the pre-existence. And there's a chapter on the pre-existence. And so um, after we die and we go to the spirit world, the child's spirit assumes its adult size. 
okay, um, and and form in the spirit world. Then at the time of the resurrection, this adult-sized spirit will be reunited with its with the child's glorified body. Okay, but the body will still be the same small size that it was upon its physical death. Okay. And that's when this raising by, by parents comes into play. The child will be raised at that point by its, its own parents, if they are worthy, until its body, its glorified body, grows to full maturity to, to, to match the size of its spirit. Okay. Otherwise, by worthy LDS uh, parents. Fascinating. Um, and, you know, and then, and this is something very few, I mean, I, I didn't know it. I mean, I had a rough idea. Now I know it much better. Um, and then once the body has grown to maturity to match its spirit, um, we talked about this when we talked about temples, the child will then have the chance to, to date, find a partner, marry, and then enjoy exaltation. In other words, achieve the highest level of the celestial kingdom. Celestial marriage is required for that. Um, and that's it. That's all I have to say about children. Well, that's an interesting topic, and I'm glad that we're discussing these various uh, doctrines that are, and just a reminder, folks, it's Obscure Mormon Doctrine, and he has, uh, everything's documented. Um, this is a great resource for those of you who are interested in not just what uh, you know, what what maybe you would read on the church's website, um, uh, their official doctrinal statements, but if you want to dig deeper and find out what did Brigham Young teach, what did Joseph Smith teach, what did many of the other prophets of the church, what were the kind of doctrines that they were teaching, and of course these are God's uh, spokespeople here on earth, and so they're there to you know uh, provide information there to uh, people that hasn't been talked about. And to, then to, you know, be a prophet, seer, and revelator. That's the whole point of this. And so if you want to know more about what doctrines were taught by apostles, by general authorities, very important people who basically were set apart to do that role, to teach the world doctrine, this would be a great resource for you to go to. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the program today. Thanks for having me. I look forward to our next session. So there you have it, another segment of Tuesday Tangents, and we're going to continue this journey where we're going to discuss various uh, doctrines of Mormonism, some more obscure than others, um, and uh, we're going to talk about the implications of these doctrines in the real world setting, and just kind of do a thought experiment, and uh, I think this is really fascinating stuff, you know, and of course I do have an evangelical audience that's growing, and I'm hearing back from you, and I know that you guys are really appreciative of this uh, this channel being unbiased like your book is, you know, like it's, it's, it, everybody has a bias, but I really feel like you made a real effort to just state the doctrines and try to keep your personal stuff out of there, which I think is key. And I try to try to do the same with this channel as well. I think that's why we clicked so well, so early on uh, folks, uh, Chris, thanks again. And uh, don't forget to like, and subscribe and hit the notification button for new, when a new episode comes out, we're on all the major platforms, including Apple and Spotify. If you want to support the channel, there are links in the description and you all have yourself a great day. Stay tuned.